Sent on a delegation between nations, our two heroes have finally taken flight and are beginning to explore the broader realm of Eorzea. The first set of true challenges await this intrepid duo as they begin to delve into the deep dungeons and deeper mysteries that lie just below the surface of this idyllic land they now call home. I'm Nero. And I'm Jane. And welcome to Radio Free Hype. Yes, welcome back once again, and uh, once again, our uh, sort of original plan for for how we were going to space out the levels in the error didn't quite uh, mesh up. It turns out that the the amount of content uh, between levels really varies quite a lot in this uh, this early portion of the game. It's really hard to predict and or remember how exactly things are are structured here in the very beginning of the game i keep getting caught off guard by how dense certain parts are and how kind of breezed over others are yeah so to that end we'll be covering levels 15 to 17 today um and that's going to include all three of the uh sort of starter kit of dungeons that you uh, get introduced to so when we last left off uh, we were about to embark on our journey of, of being an ambassador to the other two city-states uh, to to kind of reunite the the, the Eorzean Alliance five years after Cartano. We were just about to get our airship ticket. Yes, it's time to go meet the presidents, or at least the other two presidents. We've already met one, yep. uh, each of us, so it's time to go meet the other ones, and we get a fancy blimp to take us there, and it's uh, it's a big uh, it's a big deal. There's like a whole fanfare about it, because, of course, not many people get to ride on blimps anymore now that there's like, you know, a rival giant empire with their own blimps that like to shoot down your blimps. It's it's a little bit hectic up there. Speaking of, right after you leave, uh, another cutscene starts, which uh, takes you to Castrum Occidens, uh, which I believe is in... Is that Lanosia? I don't remember where it is. is. It is. It's actually... Um, Oh God! What part of Lanasia? I think it's near the it's near Costa del Sol, right? It's the same region. as Yeah, it's that. just it's just north of Costa del Sol. Yeah, it's like uh, it's it's right next to the Bahamut uh, the Bahamut thing actually the Binding Coils. Yes, so we 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 get we we get to see uh, Castrum Occidens. A lot of activity going on there. Is a big battleship uh, lands right in the middle of it here. And out steps someone we haven't seen before in the game, but someone who should be familiar to people who played uh, Final Fantasy 1.0. Gaius Van Balesard, the Black Wolf himself, has returned to Eorzean soil after five years. Yes, and this is bad news for Eorzea because, of course, Gaius Van Balesard is fairly committed to his plan which is to take over eorzea it's like his his main thing 
and uh, he seems to very much want to uh, put his plan back into motion. Yes, he he was defeated by a, a very large dragon. We, we do see a, a very beautifully rendered CG cutscene, which is very rare for this game where they'll just play a CG cutscene. But you get to see Midgard Stormer taking down the Agrius. Um, you do. This whole cutscene's actually very weird in that sense because it's all pre-rendered. And it's pre-rendered at like a very weird resolution also. It's it's got like baked subtitles and everything. It's very strange. So uh, he is accompanied by a few other people in big fancy armor who we can presume are his inner circle of uh, legates. Uh, I don't believe any of them are named in this cutscene, and they won't be for quite a while. Well, one is, but we'll get to him in a moment. Oh, yes, we will get to him. But but yes, he's got his sort of like bionicle Power Ranger looking legates behind him. They've all got like a weird... A very weird styling to their armor, I feel. Like, Gaius, Gaius's armor, I think, looks the, like, coolest out of them. But the other three... Eh, they, they, they're a little bit of a mess. They're a little bit of a mess. You got the red bionicle. Uh, you've got, like... The big, huge guy with two giant shields revolvers, which is hilarious. Uh, and then you've got, uh, the, the white lady, uh, who's got, like, wrist-mounted guns, like, wrist-mounted revolvers that are also swords. It's very weird. Yeah, Gaius definitely looks the coolest out of all these guys. Um, and yeah, he, he basically vows that, like, I, I will not fail a third time. Uh, because he was defeated at Silvertier Lake, he was, tech, he, he, his, like, conquest was usurped by Nail Van Darnus, pretty much, after that. And so now he's like, this time, no no more distractions. As he's saying this, a uh, a big, scary-looking machine is flown in behind him on some uh, some drone ships. As he says, uh, I wrote down a, a, a few bits of dialogue from him here, even Meteor, the great sin, failed to bring Eorzea to heal. And for this failure, the realm the realm has sunk deeper into depravity. You know, he's on his shit of the only way forward for Eorzea is is under the the enlightened fist of a of a mighty Garlean conquest. That's his belief at this point. Oh yes, it is his belief, and boy howdy. He's going to tell us all about those beliefs many times. So um. let's talk about Gaius's voice actors here. Um, so in the, in the dub, he is voiced by Richard Epcar, who is like a he is a voice actor who is very prolific. He's been around for fucking forever. Um, oh yeah, he's all over the place. He's the dub voice of Jigen from Lupin the Third. And I, I, feel, I think he, it looks like he has been for a very long time. Uh, he is Akuma in uh, Street Fighters 4 and 5. He is the dub voice for Old Joseph in, in Part 3 of Stardust Crusaders. He's been the Joker in a few things, uh, specifically the Injustice games. And uh, by extension, Mortal Kombat. Speaking of Mortal <laughs> Kombat, he is also Raiden. Um from mortal Kombat, 
He's like, you know, he's, he's, he has been around and he's usually voicing, you know, I feel like guy, I guess guys isn't necessarily out of his wheelhouse, but he's definitely, it's definitely a little bit like he voices a lot of gruff old men, basically. He does. He really does. And I think he does kind of nail it with Gaius here. Like, of all the error voice actors in the dub, I think Gaius definitely has one of the, like, strongest performances. Uh, it's very consistent. Um, it's very, like, uh, it's it's evocative. It gives him a sense of character and place. Uh it really fits sort of the general vibe that the guy's going for. And and it works out really well, I think. I should also say he voices a small army of NPCs in Skyrim as well. Oh, of course. Now, uh, I would say that Gaius' Japanese voice actor is about as prolific, uh, but perhaps much more famous and beloved because uh, in Japanese, Gaius is voiced by Akio Otsuka, who I think everyone would know better as the Japanese voice of one Solid Snake. Oh yes, others. and and it's very very clearly like like the Solid Snake is very much there in the delivery. Yeah, you know, among other things, he's Xehanort, he's Wamu and Jojo, he's Blackbeard, he's he's a bunch of other characters that people know and love, but. It's he is Snake. He, he is uh, he is most famous as Snake. Oh, that's a fun fact. Apparently, he got to stay on as Snake in the Phantom Pain. They didn't change the Japanese voice. That's hilarious. So you know, but yeah, Akio Otsuka, It. I mean, he does a great job. You don't need you don't mean need me to tell you that. Oh yeah, no. Does he does a fantastic job? The guy's performance in Japanese just is like is basically flawless. It's you know this is this is one of the instances with the the I feel like the English and the Japanese voice acting are about on par with each other. I feel like they are they both bring something really good to the table and they both like are really really competent performances. That's not true of all the voices we'll be talking about today, but we'll get to those later. I think. I think Epcar's performance leans a little more into, uh, it, like it's very heightened. It's it's, it's the, but Otsuka has much more. He's much, he's way quieter. He's much more reserved. But Epcar is fucking growling all over the place. Yeah, um, and I think you'll you'll find that that's true. I think of most of the Japanese voice cast, it, they're they're a lot more, um, their performances are a lot more. I guess you could say down to earth, if that makes any sense. They're very like they play they play these characters a little closer to the vest than I think the the English voice actors do. Generally speaking, the English voice actors are usually sort of playing up like a specific voicial performance, um, whereas the Japanese cast doesn't really do that quite as much, in my opinion. Yes, I should also say that uh, Akiotsuka voices another famous horn helmeted Final Fantasy fascist. In uh, Judge Gabranth from uh, Final Fantasy XII. Well, there you go. I didn't even know that. There you go. Uh, uh, the, the character who Gaius is very clearly uh, pulling from in design and character. But yeah, mm-hmm. so we Gaius, you know, he's, he's, he is 
talking to himself about his uh his 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 dreams here and we kind of cut over to a, a pair of guys and one of them leans over and is like hey I, I i thought the emperor specifically said he didn't want anybody fucking with aorzia right now and the other guy says well uh gaius is the black wolf he can kind of do whatever he wants yeah, like this guy's the boss. I I don't know what you want want me to tell you. We're just we're just soldiers, man. And someone overhears them and walks up behind them. It is uh, Gaius's right hand man, Nero Tolskeva. Oh yes, Mister Tolskeva is here, and he is the basically. He's in charge of making sure that everything runs smoothly, uh, and that includes making sure there's no dissent in the ranks. Yes, he uh, he quickly accuses one of the men of being a spy for questioning Gaius's motives. Uh, specifically, he says he accuses him of working for something called a codename Hummingway. Uh because he asked where they're from one of one of these guys is from author the other one is from alamigo he accuses the alamigan guy of being a a codename hummingway uh agent and uh executes him right there on the spot so the, yeah the, the message is pretty clear do not do, do not question uh the legatus yeah seems seems like it's bad for your health to do so uh, it's, he kills this guy and then immediately turns to the guy he was just talking to and is like, "Hey, uh, clean that mess up, please." Yeah, yeah, your buddy there. Can you can you uh, move his body somewhere else? Yeah, go go take care of this peon kind of deal. And they he, they really <laughs> he looks to the moon and and says to himself he 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 says to himself that someone named Garland will will see. Once he is through with this realm. So who knows what that's about. So let's talk about Nero's voice actor. Um, his English voice actor for ARR is someone named Ian Steele. Whose only credit on behind the voice actors is Nero Tolskeva. Yeah, and the voice performance pretty much is what you'd expect from that. It's not. It's not bad. But it's very much like... This is this guy's like first voice acting like professional gig and either, it, it kind of shows through either that or he's like a screen or stage actor they dug up from somewhere yeah that a few times uh his japanese voice actor is riki kitazawa um who is apparently mo- best known for being uh let's see here he 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 is not quite as uh you know, storied as some of our other, some of our other voice, uh, some of the other voice actors we talk about here. In fact, I I struggle to find. I think Nero Tolskeva might be his biggest role. He's two nobodies in Transformers: Robots in Disguise from two thousand. Um, and he's some guys from things I've never heard of. He's some dude in Fire Emblem Fates. And that's about it. Yeah. And the the thing the thing is Nero's like uh Japanese performance, I feel like, is definitely more polished than his English performance, but it's very like 
it's it's still like it's still got a little bit of that roughness around the edges um i i don't think it's like the strongest performance of the cast but i i think i think he does like a pretty solid job with the character right unfortunately that is all we'll be seeing of him for this expansion because i'm pretty sure this is his only voiced cutscene for some fucking reason no way he does he might have have one more i think he has one more line but he is not a a a fully featured character quite yet yeah stay tuned for the future he'll be uh he'll be appearing again so after that uh, brief little interlude to see what the garleans are up to uh we are back on the uh the the journey out to the other city states uh i presume you went to gradana went to limsa first yeah, so my journey was I started in Old Da, I go to Limsa, and then I end in Gridania. Um I assume yours was probably like what Old Da and then Gridania. No, I went to Gridania first, and then I ended in Old Da. Interesting, interesting. Um, and so I guess I will start with Gridania here. Uh you 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 get to Gridania, which is this you know very very luscious green uh city very seemingly like in touch with nature very harmonized with nature you know you got you got, you got plants growing on buildings you got plants growing everywhere big um, water wheels everything's made out of wood you know how it is and you were instructed to go to Nofika's altar where the elder seeds here will uh receive you and so you head over there uh, you got to talk to someone to let you in, and you uh, you 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 introduce yourself to Kane Sena, leader of Gridania, who we have talked about probably disparagingly uh, a few times in the past. Yeah, it's just sort of a boring white lady. There's really nothing else to it. There's just basically doesn't have like a character, and her voice matches that pretty well. Just extremely there just it's just there yeah so uh kanesana is voiced by rie tanaka who we've already talked about um oh we, yeah we actually we actually have talked about her voice because she did have a voice cutscene earlier that's right oh so right we well then this again. <laughs> yeah we know exactly what english uh kanesana sounds like which is to say she sounds like she just took a lot of nyquil before uh, talking <laughs> to you japanese kanesana doesn't sound any more exciting just very she, you get you you got to admit she is there she is there though i will say one note about the voice acting of these cutscenes, uh specifically the president meeting ones um they're all pretty tight um but kane sanas is the tightest like i think she got like what like two maybe three lines before the cutscene yeah. ends and then restarts with unvoiced dialogue but they were really really tight with these ones yes they are um and you know she kind of talks to you about why there hasn't really been any attempted memorial these five years and it's mostly because as i as i said last time they've been everyone has been focused on trying to get their shit together like the the world exploded and a lot of people died and a lot of infrastructure was destroyed and so the main focus has been on getting things to a point where society can exist again in some capacity uh but she agrees now is definitely the time to hold a big memorial about cardinal 
Yeah, like when when you kind of show up in ARR, you come in on the cart or whatever at the beginning of the game. This is basically sort of the very tail end of the reconstruction efforts is when you show up in the realm. Like, you know, the last five years have been basically like hand over fist, like trying to get everything back up and running again and you know trying to make the economy exist after half of the continent got exploded but like right now things have finally started to settle down a little bit just enough that they're like yeah you know we can do like a we can do like a little thing uh now that that you know we aren't constantly running around like chickens with their heads cut off also i mentioned last episode that I was pretty sure Van Darnus's legion was not the 14th. I was correct. He was in command of the 7th legion. Gaius's legion is the 14th. Oh, okay. See, I had I had thought that they were basically the same legion. I thought no. Darnus like usurped control or whatever. I think he did at some point, but at 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 a certain point Gaius pulled all of his men out. Uh right. Probably around the time Van Darnus declared himself a god, you know. Yeah, pro- probably around the time where he grew like gigantic wings and all kinds of fucked up stuff. Kynason also mentions that she has been noticing a lot more gurgling activity because one of the other things about Gridania, it is situated very close to Balesar's wall, the gigantic border wall Gaius built between uh the 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 territory that was once alamigo and eorzea after he got his ass kicked the first time yes he didn't want to lose any any territory so he built a gigantic mega wall out of steel uh don't know where he got all the steel but uh, he built it and yeah so apparently they've been noticing that uh there's been some suspicious troop movements lately uh which is bad news because the whole ongoing garlean succession crisis that has been going on this whole time in the background has kind of given eorzea the breathing room required to actually like rebuild and kind of get its stuff together so if that was if that period was to end suddenly because i don't know gaius von balesar was back that would be pretty bad for everybody. Yeah, one of the reasons that the Empire had never tried anything is, as she mentions, it's either her or Rabban that mentions it, like, yeah, the Emperor is old as fuck now, and he has not named any heirs yet, which is a, generally a cause for concern. Um, and so there's a lot of stuff going on in Garlemald involving into internal politics, which, which kept most people busy however Gaius van Belsar is not one to wait around for you know his emperor to decide what to do no he's a bit of his own man in that way uh which is bad news for most of uh Eorzea, it seems if you go the route of limsa then your next stop is olda and if that is the case she gives you a message for Rauban. uh is she's like oh i have this pet wolf who's been acting up lately and i'd you know i'd like his advice on how to handle it oh that's hilarious uh she doesn't say anything like that uh that i remember actually in uh 
in uh, when I went to uh, to Kane Sena like that. Yeah, clearly she's talking about Gaius. Um, yeah, she sends you on your way to Rabon. Tell me about your meeting with Merlewib. Well, the meeting with Merlewib is fairly straightforward. It's not a particularly complicated one. Uh, you end up going to Limsa. You go up the elevator to her special office at the, like... Oh, what is it? Like the like the bridge? The of, bulwark. Uh, the bulwark, that's right. You go up there to her little office, and it's a very nice office, by the way. Um, and she greets you, and she just sort of, like, says generally the same things that, like, Connie Senna was talking about. Just very much like, yeah, you know, we've spent a really long time rebuilding, and... I think it's I, I think it is high time that we actually did honor those soldiers and we like have like a memorial service. I I totally agree and you know, I will contact Raubon right away about this and she sort of just sends you uh on your way off to uh to Gridania pretty quickly. There's there's not a whole lot to her meeting actually. And I assume the meeting with Kanesena is is the same other than the bit about Asking Raban about a troublesome wolf. Exactly, exactly. In fact, it's basically, it's basically identical. Though, actually, I think if I remember correctly, I believe Merowib actually tells you to ask Kanesena about some Garlean stuff. So, I think probably the way that they sort of set this up is that the first president you meet has something to say about the Garleans, and then you go to the second president, and they tell you a little bit about them. Yes, so from there, Aurelius went to Ulda uh, to meet with Raban. Uh, this is actually where you learn about the the the, the stuff with the um, uh, the emperor's ailing health, uh, because you you go to meet with Raban, who is there with his like attendant assistant, whatever um, her name is like Eline or or something, uh, and immediately as soon as I walked in. Uh, he goes, ah, a guest from Limsa. Thought I smelled stale ale. <laughs> um, and you know, you tell her, you tell him, hey, Kanesena yeah, has some questions about uh, her pet wolf, and he clearly understands what she's asking. And and uh, he, his thoughts on the matter are, a wolf can't be tamed. It's only a matter of time before it bears its teeth. Um, this is where he tells you that, yeah, this is where they talk about, like, the Emperor is in failing health, and, like, he is basically the, the dynamo behind the Garlean Empire, who he, like, 50 years ago suddenly found, you know, suddenly created this Magitech revolution, and launched a, a, like tiny arctic vassal state into being one of the one of the main world powers um but if he dies no one really knows what happens because he never named an heir yeah sort of the the issue with doing the uh the roman style emperorship is uh you kind of have to have somebody to succeed you when you kick it Though, of course, in Rome's case, usually that was because somebody else killed you and took over. Um, so we'll see what happens uh, in Garlemald. 
If there's one thing I know about Rome, uh, their transfers of power were normally very peaceful and did not involve any wars at all. It's true. Never, never happened like that. But right as you're done, you know, he obviously also agrees to the memorial. He's like, yep, this, this is the right thing to do. Uh, it's time to let people finally uh, have some closure on their grief. Right as you're done with him, uh, turn you hear from someone that Batteron has a job for you. Yes, and this is where the paths converge, finally. We are on the same through line uh so yeah we're 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 on the same quest finally uh we both end up going to Baderon, and he's got a job for us apparently some sahagan have been sleuthing and sneaking around sastasha very alliterative along with their uh serpent reaver allies uh and obviously People are still a little leery about the Reavers, considering they just tried to attack Swift Perch. But the Yellow Jackets don't have the numbers to go in and investigate themselves. So, instead, what Batteron's going to do is he's going to have a small crack team of adventurers go in on their own to investigate. Yes, and that's where we come in. So, you head on over to uh to Sestasha. but first it's time to go visit the hall in Avis, baby that's right they point he he specifically points you to like hey before you go you should go to the hall of the novice it's in the same area and talk to the smith and he'll have uh he'll have tips and tricks for you uh obviously we won't recap the fucking dungeon tutorial here yeah the that tutorials would be terrible are- audio yeah, the tutorials are pretty straightforward, but I will note some swank music in the uh, in the actual Hall of the Novice. There's a smooth jazz cover of Prelude going on, and I'm super into it. I don't think I've ever seen that in any of the like playlists I've seen of like the uh, of the Final Fantasy XIV soundtrack. I gotta find what track that is because it's really nice. It's definitely around there somewhere. I, I will probably put it in right here uh but yeah like i would encourage you to do the tutorial if it's your first time uh not the least of which because if you do you get really good gear and if you complete all of the tutorials you get a brand new ring which boosts all of your xp as long as you're under level 30 yeah by 30 percent, i think it's like pretty nuts so as a result of having that and also the Endwalker pre-order earrings, I am like hideously overleveled now, but that's fine. That yeah, that I'm just level twenty-seven. In ARR. It's uh... <laughs> ARR um, has some scaling issues now, and it's it's very very easy to become overleveled if you uh, if you really just hit the hit the story even. Um, yeah. yeah. So after after that, you head over to the Sestasha Seagrot where there have been reports of pirates, and we should say the name of this quest is It's Probably Pirates. It is probably pirates, uh, but we're not the only ones on this quest. No, there are rival parties participating in these first three dungeons. So let's let's talk about those rival parties a little bit, shall we? Yes, first of all, uh, the one I noticed first is you, you see a, a party of four, uh, a healer, a gladiator, a thaumaturge, and a archer, I think. Um, 
the the healer named Etta is is very put upon. She was apparently almost late. She had to go get some potions, and all of the rest of them are really just they're really just being uh, huge assholes to her. Um, oh yeah. Except Pio Ryo, the thaumaturge. He just doesn't seem to care, really. Um, but uh, especially Levine, the archer elf lady, she is she is quite rude. To oh, yeah, she hates at his ass. And I don't know why. They're all, they're all so mean to her. She's just like, hey, I had to go buy potions with my own money. And it took a really long time. And I'm not really good at running. And I had to do this all myself. Sorry for being late. And everyone's just like... Ugh. It's, you loser. Now we don't get to go to the dungeon. These guys do. Like, yeah, the uh, the leader of air is kind of salty that the maelstrom picked you to head in there. Yeah. Uh, there's also uh, here, there's a second little party. This one's just two people. Is a grandfather granddaughter duo named uh, Ilsidor and Alsen. Um, and they're pretty pleasant and seem fairly competent and, you know, they're not bickering and being mean to each other. They're just generally pleasant, it seems. Yeah, the old man has some wisdom to share about the nature of adventuring and his granddaughter's like, I just, I just want to look after my grandpa and make sure he's all right. Yeah, they seem fine. Uh, there's a third party, but they're not here yet, so don't worry about that. They're off doing something else. So... With that, it's uh, it's time to party up and head into the very first dungeon, the level 15 dungeon, Sestasha. This one's interesting. Uh, you get that classic sweeping camera intro. We all love the classic AR sweeping cameras. Um, it's got real like open air coral reef aquarium vibes in there. Like uh, I don't know, you ever been to like freaking Baltimore Aquarium? It's it's a lot like that in there, except it's like a whole dungeon and all of the fish are just floating in the air. Um, so watch out. Yeah, so basically this dungeon is separated into uh, two halves, or two, like, big room-slash-areas. The first area you go through is the aforementioned open coral reef. It's lots of glowing coral and algae and, and, you know, sea grotto stuff. The second half is the Serpent Reaver hideout, which is, like, built into the cave. And so lots of, like rooms and taverns and torches without any- there's no, like, walls, really. Uh, there's some big doors, but it's like, it, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of a lot of Skyrim dungeons. Yeah. Like Skyrim bandit encampments. I've been, I've been into at least 17 caves that look exactly like the second half of Sestasha. You're exactly right. It does look basically exactly like that. And yeah, so Sestasha starts out pretty normal. Yes. And then you have to go through the secret door that's guarded by a big cat but once you're on the other side of the door, things get weird. So, so, so one one tip. Uh, there's a little side room. As soon as you start out, uh, there's a note in there that will tell you what color of coral is hiding the secret switch. 
Uh, all of that does is stop two very easy enemies from spawning, so most people just skip it, but, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a secret. It's also written in extraordinarily heavy pirate like yes. voice so you know if you look a bunch of y's and w's in your words for no reason then there's that yeah and i mean we aren't going to be summarizing the, the so a lot of error dungeons until around i would say uh level 41 have non-standard structure i would say for a dungeon in this game um specifically with regards to uh layout which at the begin at the beginning of a realm reborn they d- they were like well we want people to really explore the dungeons and like see all the secrets and so a lot of early era dungeons are extremely sprawling with lots of little little side rooms you can head down that don't really have anything in them other than like i don't know maybe a chest um and the other thing about sasasha is that uh, it technically has four boss fights. The standard for dungeons in this game is three, but you fight the same guy twice. You do fight the same guy twice. It's very funny. Captain Madison is just kind of a coward. Like, you don't even really fight him. You fight a bunch of ads, and then he just sort of takes half of his health and then runs away. Uh, just just kind of a big loser, this guy. Um yeah, so yeah, we, but... I, I was trying to avoid talking about the, the, the revelations in the second half of Sestasha, which are not necessarily on the surface. I don't think if yeah. you ignore, if you just ran this dungeon like I did the first time, you wouldn't really notice that much. You notice a few things about it, but you wouldn't notice that much. I, I will have put a content warning in the description probably uh with a timestamp around here yeah so okay there's really no nice way to put this um the sestasha pirates are doing sex trafficking and yeah. it's really uncomfortable why did you put this in the game arr has a lot of it's very strange arr has a lot of weird stuff like this where like suddenly you'll just get this like dark gritty stuff like yeah, this. it's it's really weird. Like, and the thing that makes it even worse is like, I, I'm pretty sure we lo- we 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 took the time to look at all of the 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 content here, and I'm pretty sure that every single one of the women who has been sort of forcibly turned into a like maid outfit wearing like server at this at this place uh all of them are either all of them are either cat girls or lalafell and that's also pretty bad yeah uh in particular one fun bonus you know i was mentioning those fun bonus rooms you can find in early error dungeons one of them is called the hole it's called the hole you can find a key to the hole and there are a lot of women in there just locked up 
yeah, there are a lot of women and they're locked up and they're saying things like, oh God, I never thought I'd be able to leave. Is this, is this it? You know, and stuff like this. And it's very, very dark. It's like way it's very, too it's very, dark. It's very grody. A lot of grody stuff like this, you know, surfaces in Around Me Born from time to time and sometimes later. But for the most part, this game doesn't necessarily play in those spaces, which is why it's jarring and weird when that does come up yeah like it's it's really strange and there's some stuff we'll be getting into later that's also really not great in this same vein like air art and post air art do like to do this and it's really it's really weird and it's very uncomfortable and very like it's got that vibe of like they wanted to add like tones like dark tones to the story to make it a little bit more serious and a little bit more like dramatic right but it just doesn't work it just makes like a story that was all it makes a story that was like very campy and like adventure suddenly just get really derailed and just leaves like a really weird taste in your mouth where you're like well none of this kind of jives together none of it really meshes yeah it's very weird you're fucking running around in final fantasy land and suddenly like for about 15 minutes you accidentally stumble into goblin slayer and then you leave again yeah it's 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 really weird and in the same thing it's like yeah you stumble into the goblin slayer but you're still running around with like funny haha jack sparrow knockoff yeah like at the end of the dungeon a big green fish man appears it's like you know (laughs) i i want to look into who was the scenario writer for arr um because i do wonder because like yeah they, they this there, there's a, a, a shift away from stuff like this, and they find ways to introduce darkness and stakes later in the story that are not this. This feels very like surface level. This, this is like your, this is like grimy world building 101. It's very yeah, this is, this easy. Is paint, this is paint by numbers gritty world building. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, you fight Captain Madison twice, and then the, the real, uh, like brains behind this operation a very large and green sahagan named den the orca toothed appears to fight you at the end in an area called the sultana's lap yeah um, also he immediately just kills captain madison he just yes. explodes it's really he, funny he calls him an idiot and just stabs him um so this is the first boss you encounter that can have anything even resembling mechanics like all of all the cat did was an aoe every once in a while and madison didn't do anything uh but this guy has one mechanic um he will spawn sahagan out of these grates in the floor yeah so somebody has to run around and click on the grates when the bubbles start appearing and that'll prevent a guy from appearing out of the floor and that is the only mechanic in the whole fight you really you really don't have to bother quite frankly you can probably just kill the fish man very quickly so yeah and most people do that because sasasha is the first dungeon even when level synced you, you can kill him pretty easily i think it is very funny that the first dungeon boss you fight is just like a kind of big sahagan he's not giant he's just like just bigger than larger. usual 
just like, just like the like a six foot two guy comparatively yeah, like it's 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 pretty funny babe. so we're, we're out of that we're done there um yeah. yeah you go back to Baderon. he says some fish slurs he probably shouldn't he you know it's interesting right because obviously all of the city-states have a, let's say, contentious relationship with their local myriad tribes. Mm-hmm. Um, I really feel like Limson's love calling Sahagin... I, it's a fantasy slur I don't even want to say because it, it just feels too real. It, yeah, it sounds way too bad. Like, it sounds... Like, it sounds... Okay, the problem is, the problem is, it's way too close to an actual real yes. slur. It's very, yeah. very close to a real slur. And like, it's like mm, no, you I can't. Get, I you guess can't the do I that. guess the flames call the Amalja like lizard men, but that's just kind of a, yeah, like they are big lion lizards. I don't even think the Ixal have any demeaning names. Maybe they call them birds. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember Gridanian saying anything specific about the Ixal, but it's also been a while for me. Yeah, but like, yeah, but no the the Limpsons have a very specific term for the Sahagin, and it sucks. It's very bad, and Batteron and Merlewib love to say it. Um, they just love to say it. So yeah, you 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 you, you go back to Batteron, you've cleared it out, you've uh, killed every last serpent reaver alive, um, as we did. Which is which is good moral to do. Moral to do, and immediately he's like, well. I got a call from my counterpart in Gridania. She has a job for you, too. And I, I really like that the first three dungeons, like, it's just snap, snap, snap. We're going to the next one. We're going to the next one. We're going to the next one. No, like, wasting time. No spinning wheels. You just go dungeon, dungeon, dungeon. Yeah, it's it's real snappy. And I like that they do it that way because I feel like it really gets, like, a new player acclimated to the concept of dungeons. Because the first three dungeons, especially with the third one being reworked, yes. like, actually introduces you to the concepts that you'll be, you know, doing more of in the future. You know, one at a time, a little bit of piecemeal, which is which is really nice. It, oh. it wasn't quite as strong at this before, but when they redid the third one, it really all clicks together. Yes. So also, when, uh, when you go back to the Drowning Winch, you meet the other adventuring party you're kind of rubbing elbows with over the course of this little quest line here. Uh, a, a party led by a, a, a big old Hellsguard boy named Dolores Bear. Yes, and I, I call this party Bear Force, and the Bear Force is, uh, they're, they're just sort of some generally pleasant guys. You know, they're, they're cocky, sure, they're sort of self, self-full themselves or whatever, but, like, they're, you know, they're just kind of pleasant guys, you know? They're, they're just, like, they're happy to be here. Yeah, and the Dolores Bear's like, yeah, you know, you beat us to that one, but we'll we'll get you next time, you know. So a friendly competition between adventurers. So you head to. Uh, oh, I I I do want to say I, I wrote down here. You give better on your report, and he tries to break the world record for calling fish guys as many slurs as possible. Yes, uh, he definitely gets that world record, though I'm sure it'll be broken by somebody else eventually. Um, I'm aware, probably. Probably. But yeah, you head on over to Mother Mion in Gridania. She's the innkeeper over there. And some stuff's going down at Tamtara, which is an old Gelmoran settlement that the Gridanians have apparently been using as burial vaults for the past several hundred years. Seems a little a little crass, but you know. Yeah, yeah Gelmorans aren't around to complain about it, I guess. 
Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, apparently there's these guys called the Lambs of Dalamud, which, if you couldn't guess, are a doomsday cult, and would like to do some doomsday cult shit. Yeah, it's very funny because the the God's Quiver guy who comes up to talk to you, the uh, the, the, the peacekeeping faction in Gridania, is like, yeah, everyone kind of thought, uh, you know, so these, these guys popped up uh, around the time, around five years ago when all of the, the stuff around Dalamud was just starting. And he goes like, well, everyone kind of thought that after Dalamud exploded, uh, they'd go away because their god was gone. Unfortunately, that just made them more fervently believe in Dalamud. And that actually what happened is the the world was unworthy of Dalamud's blessing, and so it must be purged. Yeah, so, you know, normal cult stuff. Just very, very normal cult stuff. So, gotta go in there, kind of sweep them out, just tell them to go, go off to their little clubhouse somewhere else uh, with force. Um, and the rival parties are back again uh, when you get there. You got uh, um, Alien and her grandpa, who are in actually some pretty rough shape at the entrance. Apparently, they only just made it back out of Tamtara because on their way, she happened to pick some extra fruit. So uh, that's your that's your PSA of the day, kids. Uh, make sure you eat your fruits. Good fruits got vitamins. Saves you from skeletons. Uh, Dolores Bear is also there. Yeah, they are. They haven't gone in yet, but they're like, "Yep, yeah, looks fucked up in there." Um, Edda's party is nowhere to be seen right now, though. I'm sure they're fine. Yeah, mysteriously absent. I should say it's the same situation here in uh, Gridania. The local, the local tribe and the, the God's Quiver are beefing, and so they don't have the manpower to go in and and kick these cultists out themselves. Yada yada. It's it's going to be the same story for all three of these dungeons, basically. More um, or less. So we uh we head so it's time to once again party up and head into the second dungeon uh the tamtara deepcroft yes and now Everybody say it with me in, in your best AGDQ voice. Orb. Yeah, you get in there, there's a big fucking purple orb in the middle of the mausoleum being fed by several smaller purple orbs. Um, this is an are, orbs-based dungeon. It is. There are, there are a few orbs-based dungeons, but this one is the first. So uh, this is, yet again, I would say this is not quite as weirdly laid out as Sestasha. Uh, it is mostly linear with a few little side rooms that are dead ends with hidden mobs in them. But uh, th this this is kind of structured in a ring where you like you you, you go around the, the sort of central uh, big chamber with the orb and uh, break down these void gates to fight the cultists that are trying to uh, summon a, a guy named Galvanth the Dominator. Yeah, seems bad. I don't really want Galvanth to be dominating, personally. No. Uh, fun fact, you can actually find an area in this uh, called Tomb of Galvanth the Dominator. So, presumably he's 
somehow related to Gelmora. Um, which I don't think we've talked anything any about Gelmora. It is the the uh, the civilization that predates Gridania in this area. I don't know how far back it goes. I don't think it goes as far back as Alag. No, it definitely doesn't. It's uh, it's a little bit more recent than that, though. I don't think we get an enormous amount of information on them. I think I think uh, the Palace of the Dead is Gilmoran. I'm pretty sure that sounds right to me. It might be. I know that's it's like Pagel stuff down there, but we'll get to that eventually. Um, so just like Sasha, this dungeon doesn't really have boss fights. And honestly, it's even it's even more egregious than Sestasha because you literally have the same boss encounter three times in a row where you find a priest and two imps, you kill a priest and two imps, a void scent gets summoned, and you fight the void scent and you touch the orb to turn it off. Yeah, sometimes it's two orbs even. And then you go and you get to the central platform and the big orb descends and surprise... Galvanth the Dominator is an Illithid now. He's a squid squid man, and he's here to get you. And he has exactly one mechanic, which is... He tethers himself to an imp, and he's invincible while the imp is alive. Yeah, make sure you kill that imp. Um, But it's... I I do kind of like it, right? Like, obviously, the, you know, quote-unquote bosses in the other parts of of Tamtara are really nothing to write home about, but I do like the last boss, because I think it's a really good way to teach the player that you can't ignore ads. Like, the idea is, like, okay, you know, the tank should make sure that the main guy's locked down, but everybody else has got to take care of these ads or you can't win the fight. Like, I think it's a great way to introduce that concept to people uh, in a way that's like, you know, not really overwhelming, right? It's just like, this guy does not do a lot of damage, so it's fairly easy to like, like, you have the breathing room where if nobody's like getting it for a minute, like, you aren't just going to die. So it's it's nice. I think it's a good learning fight. Yeah, so you swiftly deal with that problem and head back to the roost to talk with Mother Mion, who congratulates you on a job well done. However, not all is hunky-dory over the roost when you come back. No, see, the thing is, not everybody actually made it back out of Tamtara okay. So obviously the grandfather-granddaughter team made it out because she picked some fruit, at his party was not quite so fortunate. They didn't pick any fruit, and uh, turns out Aver, the leader of that party, died pretty harshly. Yeah. So you, she, Mion is talking about you know it's it's I'm I'm very glad you made it out alive because you know more and more these days I've been having parties come back, you know, missing two or three people or sometimes not coming back at all, and she kind of looks over to where Edda is being berated by the two surviving members of her party. Um, Edda also kept Aver's head. Yeah, so 
yeah, the other the other two members, Peoreo and the archer lady. Livian, Livian, I think. Livian, yeah. Uh, they're both really mean to Etta for no reason. Because, like, the the impression that you get from this conversation is that Aver just pulled really big and, you know, too big for, you know, their, like, level 10, 15 healer to deal with. So, you know, rookie mistake there. But, uh, you know, he sort of paid the price for it and everyone's just like, oh, report this healer. Um, and, uh, so she's not having a great time, but also she did just sort of, she is just walking around with this guy's severed head, just yeah, like L- in her bag. Livian is like, can you fucking throw that head away? It's weird that you still have it. Later I mean... we learn that Avera <laughs> was her fiance. So, you know. Yes, yeah, little... This little weird lady, like, like I get it, like I understand, you know, like I get it, um, but you know, maybe, maybe give him a nice burial or something, like. I mean, he died in a tomb. Just find an empty, just find like a hole. Probably <laughs> got to be some plots available in there. Listen, but, it's yeah. normal. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure she's gonna be just fine. Yeah, this will not have any adverse effects on her psyche at all. Um, but yeah, they they dissolve the party. Pereo and Lorenz like tell her to fuck off and leave. Um, yeah. So yeah, Mother Beyond's like, well, yeah, that's uh, that's becoming a, a much more common sight lately, and I'm uh, it really bums me out. Yeah, <laughs> <basically what> she <laughs> says. which you know I don't blame her. It would bum me out too if I had to see scenes like that all the time. Anyway, um, time to fix Old Oz problems because you know they got problems. Time to bust in the door like, hey, Modi, what's popping? And. Uh, well, what's popping is apparently some giants. Uh, they got sealed away in a mine 300 years ago by a really fucked up old dynasty of Oldah who used them as slave labor. Um, the mine was abandoned until like a few months ago when they decided to reopen it for reconstruction purposes. Um, turns out the giants survived 300 years of being buried at the bottom of a mine, um, which is bad because... They've all been starving for 300 years and are really pissed. Yeah. Uh, to his credit, Papa Sean, the one who gives you this uh, this quest here, is like, uh, he's like, yeah, it's not a situation anyone would like to be in. I'd rather not kill them. However, the mine needs to be open and i don't want a bunch of miners to die for no reason yeah also there's like some stuff with like you know maybe like they're they're kind of like out of their proper minds because there was some sort of like mind control magic helmets yeah. that were at work in the past so and they're i mean even like... if there weren't any mind control helmets being stuck in the bottom of a mine for 300 years would just that would that's that that that's no good that you you're not you're not coming out of that like with a, uh, an intact brain no so unfortunately you have to go and and there's just really no nice way to put this you kind of have to go put down a 300-year-old slave rebellion. And once again, thanks, Arar, for getting weird with it. This will be a continuing trend with Oldah, where they will get weird with it. Um, Yeah. 
Yeah, so you go you go to talk to Payne and Mesa, one of the workers for the 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 mine company, who I forgot to write down, but I'm pretty sure it's one of fucking Lolorito's companies. Oh yeah, um, pretty sure. Who's like, yeah? So we knew about the giants when we uh, reopened the mine, but we just kind of figured they'd be dead. I mean, and, to be fair, it's a fairly reasonable assumption that if yeah. you left some people buried alive for 300 years, they would be mostly bones by the time you got back. And we were all real surprised when they were not dead. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what he has to tell you. But yeah, it, it proves, yeah, everyone knew what was going on here. Um, the dynasty that uh, enslaved these giants and, and punished them for their failed rebellion is the royal line that precedes nanamos i believe um, yes it was uh it was not all it was not the house of all it was uh what house was it i did not write it down because i did not think it was that important i didn't uh, either but it's it's the house of something um yeah. the the rival parties are here also at the uh at the location uh well well rival party is here um bear force is gone they all died horribly um which is bad yeah uh grandpa and granddaughter are still here so yeah well shit happens um they're 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 fine they're still around but grandpa's like you know i don't know how much longer i can i can do this but he is he has some nice things to say about adventuring is like you know you gotta you gotta, you gotta take a chance. You gotta, you gotta reach out to the stars and 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 take what you want. Like you, you gotta follow your dreams, even if it leads you to your doom. You gotta at least say you tried. Yeah. So, so yeah, they they end up being okay. They're the they're the only party out of the three that ends up making it out alive. So congratulations to you two. You get the grand prize, which is to live. Yep. And once again, it's time to party up and head into the level 16 dungeon, Copper Bell Mines. Was a coal pit, and now it's a water ride. What? Oh, that was uh, that was a, that was a fun Knuckles reference. Oh, all I know is Pumpkin Hill. No, see that was anyway. The, that was this uh, this dungeon is completely different now. Um, so I would say before the rework, Copper Bell Mines was probably one of the worst dungeons of the game yeah it wasn't great so the thing about copper mill mines is that the opening like part of it is largely still the same though there's a few small tweaks um there's these portions where you have to gather like these little pieces of fire sand that are around which is basically gunpowder and you you put them in a little spot and you have to blow it up to like proceed in the dungeon you know that sort of thing to mine um, they sort of streamlined that, uh, they made all the fire sand a little bit easier to acquire, and, like, it's a little more straightforward where you're supposed to put it. Um, 
But that's not really the main changes. The main changes are to the three boss fights. Yeah. So, before uh, Yoshi P went in there and hammered everything out, the three boss fights of Copper Bell were weird. Um, one of them was functionally just a, a wave of ad spawns that you had to slowly wait to kill until the actual boss appeared and then you killed him. The yeah, second that's, yeah, that's that's Kodos, and Kodos is... Kodos was weird. Kodos was very weird, because especially the, the one main thing I remember is that the ad phase was, like... It wasn't just slow. It was slow in a way that, like, was variable for no reason. Like, some of those waves would just sit there for, like, an extra, like, 20 or 30 seconds, like, for seemingly no reason. Yeah. Now you just fight Kodos. You, yeah, now you, you just fight him in a brigands. big circle. Yeah. Uh, does, did he have anything interesting? Did he have a tank buster? Uh, he did, actually. And this is and this is the thing, right, is that... Uh, Suddenly, in this dungeon, you have mechanics, and specifically mechanical symbols, that are going to appear over and over again throughout the rest of the game. Like, for example, the sort of tank buster symbology of having, like, this big sort of red warning circle around uh, whoever's the focus, um, saying, hey, get away from me, kind of thing. Like, that appears, uh, you're big AOE circles start appearing and stuff like that. And that's, that's really cool. I think it's neat that they've sort of added that in to this dungeon to start like to, to really get people familiar with and, and comfortable with those kind of mechanics. Cause they're going to be popping up so much more often as we go forward in the game. Yeah. I remember that specifically there are, you know, even up through heaven's word, the mechanical symbology can be really weird and inconsistent. Um, and I hope this is like, we're going to start fixing that stuff. Uh, because technically tank busters have always existed, but they only got that indicator after the near raids, which is weird. Yeah, but they have been slowly putting that in retroactively to other parts of the game. So I imagine by now most or at least a decent number of the tank busters in the game use, or at least attempt to use like consistent symbolism. Um, so we'll be, we'll obviously be seeing that as we go forward through the game here, but I believe they've tried to sort of straighten out the symbolism um, with all of their different mechanics, more or less at this point. So the second boss of Copperbell Mines is a big slime. Is a big slime. Um, now, the slime used to... Oh my god. Uh, the slime used to be a very funny fight. So, the way it used to work was you had this big slime in the middle of the room, and it was completely invincible. You couldn't do anything to it. What you had to do was you have the tank hold the slime down. You'd have one of your, uh, your uh, DPSs hit this, like plunger in the middle of the room to spawn a little bomb 
Um, and then you'd lead the little bomb over to the slime and let it uh, turn on its like detonation sequence and you run off and it explode and it split the slime in half. And you had to do that like six times or like four times three. to actually it get times. it. It was three times. So you have to do it three times and then the boss is vulnerable. But you got to watch out because your second DPS has to go sit in a corner and wait for one of a couple of specific ads to spawn. And it's a little rabbit, and you have to kill that little rabbit, because otherwise the rabbit will kill the bomb. <laughs> it's, it's a really convoluted fight for no reason, and now it is completely normal. Yeah, does he even have, even have anything special that he does? I didn't. I don't remember much about the slime fight. Uh, he splits, so what he'll do is, uh, his one mechanic is that he'll make a bunch of, like, tiny versions of himself, and they're just bombs, they're just circle AoEs you have to avoid. That's right. Oh, right, they, they, they start on, like, the, the overlapping circle AoEs that you have to, like, find the safe spot for, or... Uh, recognize the pattern of so they're starting you early on that too which is neat yeah exactly it's it's actually i think genuinely i think the way the bosses are structured in new copper bell is really really smart for teaching players about these mechanics like each of these bosses gets like one big mechanic that they do and it's pretty easy to follow and it just it gives you the building blocks uh for later and uh, and i think that's really neat yeah, and then so the, the final boss is his name Gyrus the gigant the gigantic. What's his name? Uh, I think I thought it was Gygus. I thought it was like Gygus the guy gigantic, but yeah. So he's he's the big giant, uh, well giant, and he's once again just like he's like we'll be slaves to you no more rise up against our masters and it's just like oh oh this is i don't want to fight you can we just can we just be friends i don't know like uh it feels really bad um but yeah we do unfortunately have to kill this guy and uh and his mechanics are interesting he's got the um the big like whole arena aoe except exactly where he's standing thing and he's got like uh like a big attack where he'll throw stuff out and you have to avoid that kind of thing so he has like two mechanics um not very complicated but again just sort of priming you for the future yeah and so with that you have successfully put down that pesky slave rebellion and now lolarito can continue to make lots of money off of this mine <sighs> so you head you head back to the quicksand to uh, get your reward from painted mesa um but <laughs> i love this too because you know you go to the you go to the quicksand and for some reason painted mesa is glowing yeah, well, I wonder why. Him, when you click on it, it says the solo duties all the time. I was like, huh. Yeah, Something's huh, gee. I wonder what this is going to be. So, oh, God. Okay, so this part of the game rears its ugly head. And yes. I was really I was really not expecting it to happen until post-ARR. I completely forgot that it happens this early, but it's time to talk about the Alda refugee crisis. Oh boy. So yeah, we re- we really need to figure out who wrote ARR or at least the- these parts of ARR because it's definitely the same guy who wrote um 
patch 5.2.1, I think. Oh, Um, yeah, 2.1. Yeah, God. So you hear a scream of distress outside, and you kind of walk out there. You see some... You see a man with extremely stupid hair, uh, whose name is Obnoxious Merchant, uh, harassing some lady, accusing her of stealing. He says some gross stuff again, which once again, like, AR, like, what, what are you doing? This is not yeah, necessary. I, he does some really gross stuff, and it's just, it's really uncomfortable. Like, again, paint-by-numbers grittiness here. It's like, it's just so jarring. It's so jarring. Yeah, the thing where none of the bystanders intervene, but you, as a heroic adventurer, step in to uh, to defend this 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 lady. You beat the snot out of his bodyguards, uh, who all run away and say, "I I ain't getting paid enough for this." <laughs> yeah, it's and again, that's like the thing. Oh God, it's so weird. Like they're they're they've got such a like uh like I don't know like Looney Tunes like crony energy to them. They're fucking they're fucking B-Tass goons. Yeah, they're like B-Tass Duh, goons. Uh, I don't know about his boss. Yeah, but like, but like the stuff that's happening, like to contextualize it, is way too much for like what is actually happening on the screen. Like, I, it's just uh, it's so weird. It's so weird. So after you uh, defeat the goons and like one, once all his cronies are gone, then the bystanders start to, you know, tell this guy to fuck off. Uh, you get a headache and you see another vision of the past, as has happened several times now. Um, and this is where all the weird, weird stuff starts. The important thing is that you see this lady pay for her dodo meat very yes. clearly. So, um, so she didn't steal the meat, obviously, that this guy was accusing her of stealing. Um, then two guys walk up. Two guys walk up, and this is and this is weird. This is weird. The thing about these visions is that you are seeing them from the perspective of the person that you are supposed to be like you know having the vision with which in this case is this lady for some reason 90 percent of this vision is taking place from the perspective of two random guys walking by like a hundred feet away i yeah it's weird i don't really know what's up with this i can't even you know i'm trying to remember even like maybe there's something where like you see one of these guys in the crowd and then you have the vision, but th- I think that's a stretch. Yeah, um, I don't even, I don't think so. I think it's just supposed to be this lady's memory. And for some reason, this lady remembers these two guys very specifically. Yeah, like, so we got these two guys from Old Ah uh, who are wandering by, and one of them goes, hey, there's a lot of poor people over there. Um, as if he is just now noticing um and it's, just this, it's just this whole thing where they talk about the refugee crisis Elda is facing it's like well a lot of people were displaced by the calamity and many of them were, were attracted to old in particular because it has this reputation of, of being this like you know the, the jewel of the desert uh, uh, uh like a like a like a, a a wonderful city of of opportunities um and they're just talking, like, one of them says some shit about, like, well, I hope, I sure hope all these poor people don't do a bunch of lawless things and make the city bad. 
Yeah, and then the other guy is like, well, now listen, hold on, you know, not all refugees are bad. Some literally, of them get jobs. Literally, literally, he says not all refugees are bad. That is a, that, I'm pretty sure that is literally what he says. Yeah, and then um, he's literally just like, you know, some of them get jobs, so. Some of them work for a living. And it's just um, like, oh, duh. Oh, God. Oh, God. And then, and then, and then all, but then he also says, but don't worry, if they cause any trouble, we'll just call the immortal flames. And they'll yeah, do we'll call the army. Me on them. It'll, yeah, it's not the brass normal. blades. Not the brass blades. Not anyone else. The fucking immortal flames. And even the other guys, like, bro, those guys like fought on Cartano five years ago. Do you really think this is their fucking job? Like, what are you talking about? God, it's so like, uh, uh, I don't like it. This, it's Olda is just it. It's. The thing is, moving forward, is that Olda is constantly on fire, and nobody wants to put it out, and the no writer, the writers aren't equipped put to put it out. it out. Yeah, no one wants to admit how you put it out, which is very, I think it would be fairly simple to put out, um, but yeah. no one is willing to say what I'm thinking, which is, perhaps it's bad 12, like, 6 rich people run the city. Yeah, maybe maybe that's a really bad thing, but uh, we'll we'll get we'll get more into that as it gets worse. Um, yeah, for know, now, get your vision of two guys talking about poor people for some fucking reason, um, and you like you know you say I saw this lady pay for fucking meat. Fuck off, obnoxious merchant, and so he leaves. Yeah, but um, but a third party, a mysterious third party, also backs you up and is like, "I saw it too." Um, and the guy looks around. and He's like, "Oh, I don't see anybody, but the crowd's turning against me. I gotta, I gotta book it, gang." Is this the same guy involved in the Silver Bazaar stuff in Old Oz Start? Um, that's a good question. I don't think it is. No, I'm pretty sure it's not but i think it would be very funny if they just had one shitty looking guy who keeps getting involved in things like this god it would be his hair funny. his hair is his hair is like a fucked up pompadour like it's not a full pompadour it's like a half pompadour it looks terrible it does not look very flattering now he's got a shitty mustache yeah <laughs> anyway yeah so that's all done with you the lady thanks you oh thank thank you gov I'm sure that's what she would sound like if she was voiced. Um, and then uh, someone, you know, someone comes up to talk to you. For me, Yishtola comes up to talk to you. Yeah, for me, it was Thankred. Apparently, the the mysterious third party who also corroborates your story is your scions, whoever they happen to be. You know, if you're from Gridania, it's Eden Papalimo. So, um, so yeah. Your scion shows up, and they basically just have a small conversation where they tell you, hey, you know what? Uh, we've been running into each other a lot, and you have some fancy mind-reading powers going on. How would you like to join our secret organization? Yep. And they tell you, uh, if you're interested, tell Mamodi that you're looking for the scions of the Seventh Dawn, and she'll take it from there. We have an arrangement. And so, yeah, uh, they they leave um, and you head into the quicksand to talk to Mamodi and she has one of the best lines uh, here. We'll talk about it in a moment. I just want I just want to say Mamodi's line when you when you bring up the scions. Um, 
Uh, so you want to know more, do you? Well, that ain't a surprise. I swear, if I painted certain death on one door and limitless wealth on the other, nine out of ten adventurers would go through the first door and the last bloke wouldn't be able to choose on the count of being old on. <laughs> oh, God, I love Modi. She's like the best of the three uh, innkeepers, frankly. She doesn't say any slurs. She doesn't say any slurs. <laughs> she's just kind of nice and fun. It's great. Yeah. But uh, yeah, as I said, Edda comes up to find you, uh, and I was like, you know, I'm I'm really inspired by you and what you do, and I've decided I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to my hometown. I'm gonna train. I'm gonna try again. Yep, she's gonna do her best, and she's still carrying around that weird, creepy head. Um, still got the head. And I'm sure it's all gonna end up really fine for her in the future. I wish I wish her the best. Mm-hmm. So Mamodi is like, all right, you want to find the scions. And she basically says, like, you know, it's like it's it's a dangerous line of work, but the scions of the seventh dawn are like the, the best of the best, the cream of the crop. They're all fine folk. You will you will you will be in good hands. So if you want to uh, seek them out, go to the Waking Sands in Vesper Bay. Yes, it's time to pray return for the first time, and uh, and you head on over, uh, go in there, and there's just a little lady sitting at a table humming a little song and you kind of kind of scare her a little bit she's uh she's a little taken aback and she's like hey this is private property get out of here uh but no you you've been you've been sent by thancred which uh you know she she checks the logbook and is like ah yeah i've been expecting you uh go ahead on down so yeah she tells you to meet the antecedent antecedent the boss uh in the, the solar and you head in there and you 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 see all of all of your pals assembled along with a, a blonde lady wearing a confusing outfit a very final fantasy outfit i will say that much it's got some real like like final fantasy 13 vibes to it Yes, it is. It is very thirteen. She she should be part of the like girl pop group in uh, in uh, 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 Final Fantasy X too. God. Um, so this is Minfilia. She is the uh, the 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 sort of leader of the Scions of the Seventh Dawn here. Yeah, um, and she's there. She exists. So. so her, I think she is a particularly egregious example of Error's bad voice acting because, uh, so I got the voice actors open here. Amy Bolton voices Minfilia. Uh, yet again, another situation where Minfilia is her only credit on behind the voice actors. So presumably she is like a screen actor who just got hired for whatever reason. Um, she's very flat like yeah it's not even just flat actually it's different from kind because i feel like kind is just flat um which is honestly more befitting for her character uh because she is very calm and collected and doesn't really do much uh Manfilia's english voice in arr is stilted i would say it is very stilted. It's it's weird because like 
I don't know. It's it's just like it's very there. Like I don't find her voice to be the most egregious by far, but like it's very like it's very nothing. Like the performance is just it, it's stilted and it's very it's not evocative of like any kind of character. It's not really giving you like a good sense of like who Minfilia is or how she feels about anything. There's no real like emoting in the voice. It's just it's very there is really all I can say about it. On the other hand, uh Miyuki Sawashiro, who voices Minfilia in the Japanese dub, is a lot more fun. She she has this like youthful energy to her that uh normal Minfilia or English Minfilia is like lacking. Um there there is this sense of like she she's sort of easygoing and kind of like you know she's leader but it's it's she's you know she's not quite seasoned yet she's she's still a little unsteady um i don't know that she just has a very nice japanese voice yeah um, i remember quite liking that performance a lot like um definitely not my favorite out of the japanese scion voices but i really did quite like uh her performance i thought that it really like it did it gave her a character it gave her like like there's emoting there there's like there's there's substance there's like a there's a hook to like make you kind of believe the fiction a little bit which you know the english the english voiceover for her just really doesn't doesn't get across there's there's no there's no hook there so miss sawashiro she has been around for a while since at least the early 2000s uh you know she she's been in a lot of like uh, looks like match where am I? Oh, she uh, she is the voice of Cammy in uh, Street Fighter Four and Five. Oh, that's fun. Um, she is Catalina from Grand Blue. Um, she she dubbed one of the characters in the Robert Downey Jr. Doolittle movie, which is very funny. Oh my god! I love seeing what voice actors like dub over for American films because usually actors have. Uh, specific actor like uh american actors they dub over mm-hmm. um and she is uh the voice of raiden shogun from genshin who is a character that a lot of people like um yeah she's just much better oh she's also camilla in fire emblem fates uh the, the boob lady um well naturally um so yeah yeah, so so that's that's the voice performance. As far as the actual content of this conversation goes, um, mostly it is, hi, welcome to the Secret Society. Uh, you can pick up your t-shirts over at the corner. Um, our main thing is that we're the Ghostbusters, but for primals. Um, hey, listen, have you ever dissociated before? Great, that means you have superpowers. Yep, and she's like, well, if you're interested in... Uh killing gods and having migraines i've got the club for you yes Uh, and then and then she proceeds to basically beg you on her hands and knees to join the club and then she's like please i'm like the only other main character who has the echo please we will give you a license to have a servant please join our club yeah and so obviously 
you join her club. And she's like, oh, thank God. I mean, great, wonderful. Yeah. Um, I mean, hey, you get a free servant out of it, so. You, you, get a, you get a butler out of it. So she then introduces you to the rest of the Scions here. Um, oh, I should. we should talk a little bit more about the Scions as an organization. Because, like, they are a secret society... But their goals are a little bit more... So so specifically, she says that, like, the Scions are meant to be an order which, quote-unquote, transcends political bounds. Like, they, they are... They they think themselves, you know, they don't concern themselves with the politics of the Arizona Alliance. Rather, they are trying to devote themselves wholly to like the salvation of Eorzea through the, the the defeating of of primals. Yes, they the primals are their primary concern right now. But generally speaking, what they want is the entire realm of Eorzea to prosper and reach a state of steady peace, uh, which is a which is a great you know that's a great goal and and everything. Um, you also because... learn, you also learn from oh, talking to uh Yishtola, uh a little bit after this conversation and uh, you learn that the scions are actually a merger of two separate groups um louis uh original group the circle of knowing which were the charlayan archons and then minfilia's path of the 12 which are the echo users so they just sort of came together and uh merged their their sort of thing yes and they have Louis Swa's staff hanging in the background. Um, it's broken. So, yeah, she 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 explains the echo as uh, something that which allows you to pass through the walls of a man's soul and hear the resonations of his past, which I thought was a very cool way to to explain the echo. Yeah, no, that's a, so, that's a very cool way. Yeah, she also tells you their password, their like passcode or whatever, which is Wild Rose. That's the the thing they use as to like uh, to kind of recognize each other out in the field. Yeah, that's this gonna is be... when <laughs> yeah, it'll pop up quite a bit. This is when uh, she introduces all the other scions here. So obviously, we've already met Thankard and Yishtola in each of our respective routes. Um, so we also meet. Ida and Papalimo, a, uh, a a funny little Lalafell with a with a monocle and a, a weird masked lady who see you know she seems kind of ditzy and not all there. Um, they were assigned to Gridania. Yes, and we did not go through their little quest line, so we don't really know them in this. But uh, but I like the two of them well enough. Uh, actually, very fun story. Before I played this game at all. I remember um, specifically uh, there. There was some point where somebody told me that I should just do like a like a tier maker tier list of just all of the characters based on like their vibes, right? And I remember I put Papalimo at the very bottom in his own special category, which I believe was literally titled "Stupid Dumbass Monopoly Baby Jeff Bezos," um, and I hated him because he just looked like the Monopoly Man baby. Um, but, uh, but I actually ended up really turning around on him. I think he's, he's a pretty fun character. His voice actor, on the other hand, in English. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about Papalimo's ARR voice. Oh God. Uh, his, his English voice actor in Realm Reborn is Steve Stally. Um, 
I'm not sure. I guess he's he's had a few roles. He is the dub voice for Neji from Naruto. Um, presumably, he does not sound like Papalimo does as Neji. I would Although hope I not. Think, I think it'd be really funny <laughs> if he did. Yeah, it seems like Neji is kind of his biggest role. Uh, he voices the white-haired brat from Bleach, um, Toshiro. But other than that, it's it's mostly Neji. Uh, it's a lot. There are a lot of Neji and a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah. Papalimo's voice actor is very posh and oh, very. What's all this then? Yeah, it's a little rough. It's a little rough. Um, Ida's isn't much better. No, Ida. They both have very funny voices in English. So Ida is voiced by Mela Lee. Who is still working uh, t- today in a lot of different roles. A lot of the, the, the voice actors for ARR I look through, like, either only have that character as their only credited role on here, or they've kind of fallen off a bit uh, in terms of acting. But uh, Mela Lee here is, is still around and still in some pretty high-profile stuff. She's Lifeline in Apex Legends... She was Jade in Mortal Kombat 11. Like, uh, she, oh, she's Kikimura on the Owl House. How about that? Really? Well, she, yep. I'll tell you what, she does a way better performance on there. Because, uh, who oh boy, uh, Ida's a little rough uh, around the edges here. It's very, like, very, very, very high tone um, in a way that just doesn't doesn't work for me. <laughs> She was Rin in, in Fate Stay Night. Yeah, she she has been around. Like she she is she is still working today, and she's definitely a better voice actor than whatever they direct her to do here. So Papalima's Papalima's Japanese voice actress is Eri Kitamura. Um very, very different vibe on his Japanese voice. Oh yes. Extremely very different. different. He, he sounds, I mean, he only, he only has a few lines where I'm at right now, but like, he sounds way more youthful. Um, he's like, he still sounds fancy, like he still sounds upper crust, but he does not sound like literally the Monopoly man. Exactly, exactly. And, and I, I actually really like Papalima's Japanese performance, like, a lot. That's part of the reason why I actually kind of turned around him as a character so fast, like, in ARR. Um, like, he just, he has, like, again, it's just, there's, there's this, like, in, in, there's intonation, there's a hook there. It's got, like, there's there's a character in the voice that you just don't get with like the really posh like britishy kind of monopoly man delivery so a few things that uh miss eric kitamura has been in uh she is sayaka in all of the various madoka properties uh she's mina ashido from my hero and she's Jury Han from Street Fighter. That's hilarious. That's awesome. Uh, actually, yeah. So yeah, she's also Jury Han in Street Fighter Five. Yep. So she's she is the Japanese voice for Jury Han. 
That's that's awesome. Very, very different performance. Uh, so yeah, she introduced you to those two. She also introduces you to the fucking cloaked weirdo in the back, and- Uriange. Oh, Uriange, your voice isn't much better, but I'm sorry. So <sighs> yeah, so Uriange is the is the is the cryptic guy. He's the scholar at here at the at the Waking Sands. He's the book guy. Um and it's really funny because as soon as she this is Yorianje, he quotes some fucking ominous prophecy and she just kind of looks at him like can you not he can you be normal for 5 fucking seconds he's just not very normal don't worry about it um yeah in in english his voice acting sound okay there's no nice way to put this i'm sorry but it kind of just sounds like you got like anybody like just a guy and just was like you you were just like hey listen can you just read this for me real quick you know you know what i mean like (sighs) so uh, gideon emery is his arr english voice and he he is another guy who's kind of around um he voiced Biggs in the Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, so, you know, sticking around in, in, in Final Fantasy. He was the voice of Commander Nelson in The Wonderful 101, a game that everyone should play. Uh, he's been... He was in Skyrim. He was various Imperials in Skyrim. Uh, he was Fenris in Dragon Age 2. Like, he has been around for sure i just don't think his voice is the right fit for yurianje it really isn't and they they clearly did not give him very good direction because he seems very aimless with his performance in a way that just doesn't work at all japanese yurianje on the other hand oh my god what a night and day difference japanese yurianje is voiced by ken one K E N N. All capitals. A, one yes, word. Mononym. Uh, he is the voice of Judayuki in Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. He also voices Cronin in the latest King of Fighters game. I think he's like a musician as well. I'm pretty sure he is like he does music on the side in addition to voice acting but he oh he's apollo justice from ace attorney everyone's favorite son uh but yeah he is he is he is judayuki is probably his biggest role i would i would have to say what's what's your take what's your take on uh ken as yuri anjay much more fitting he's very soft-spoken he's very mysterious you know he's 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 very quiet because I think I think the thing the problem with Gideon's performance is that yeah he has this very bassy voice, which works if you're voicing the uh, the commander from the Wonderful One Hundred One. He's got a, he's a great voice there, but for Yurianje it's it does not fit. It's very flat. Yeah, it's very like, it's very very flat, and it just doesn't it doesn't get across that like very like moody thoughtful kind of guy energy no i think his heaven's word voice actor is much better at doing that uh but ken is definitely the one who's like yeah this is a guy who doesn't talk to people (laughs) yeah no ken ken hits it right nail nail on the head like it's it is perfect is exactly urianje to me is is that is that voice that he uses yeah, and so yeah, it's it's so funny because yeah, like I said, he quotes some fucking 
prophecy and Minfilia shoots him a look like, can you not? Yeah. Can you fucking stop for five seconds? It's really funny. Oh, I guess we should also talk about Tataru because she's also gets introduced. So, uh, Tataru, we've already met her Japanese voice actor. She has shown up a few other times. Uh, Rie Tanaka. Um, I don't, I, I don't, I don't care for Japanese Tatari very much, I must say. Yeah, so here's here's the single, like, real point of contention, I feel like, in the Japanese voice cast. So, English Tataru and ARR, um, I, I'm also not really a fan of this performance uh, that's given. It's okay. It's passable. Uh, I think the Heaven's Word voice actress does, uh, does a lot better of a job. But Japanese Tataru is challenging. Moe. Yeah, extremely moe. A uh, lot of usage of Desu. Um just just very it's 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 just it's it's a very specific very cutesy kind of angle to her character that i just don't feel like fits and it especially doesn't fit as the game goes on like the further and deeper into this game you get the less and less that performance really meshes with her characterization um but it never ever changes it's always exactly the same and it's really weird. I can't even find Tatara on this page. Uh, she's she's so minor in Iran Reborn. That's weird. So yeah, Japanese Tataru is like that. It's you know, it, it's weird because most of the of the Lollafil voices in Japanese tend to stay away from that. Like you would expect of all the potato people to sound like cutesy little elves or whatever. But most of them just sound normal. Um, Tataru is the only one who doesn't. Yeah, Tataru is the only one who sounds like that in the whole game that I have found. Um, maybe there's some side content I just never saw, but I'm pretty sure Tataru is the only one. And it's just, it's really weird. And it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I'm I'm sorry. It doesn't work. You got that. That performance just does not mesh with Tataru for me. Yeah, so Menphilia finishes introducing all of this. I, I, this is another point where her Japanese performance is very good. Because after that she says, you know, I hope you'll come to think of us all as family. And very clearly she realizes, I just jumped like five steps ahead. I just hired this person. I I am coming on too strong. Hey, Yuri Anjay, do you, uh, do you get that paperwork in there? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty hilarious, actually. Like, uh, the performance there is awesome. You don't really get that that feeling in, in English, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty funny moment. The paper's from the students of Valdezian in particular. Um, yes. A name that will come up later. Yeah, a, gr- a group that will, that will appear once again in the future. Uh, for now, though... Uh, there is a little bit of a thing. Your your very first Scion mission. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently, a caravan of crystals has been pilfered by some Amalja, um, and it's suspected that they're going to be using these crystals to try and summon Ifrit, which is uh, the primary god that they worship. Um, you, Lord of the Inferno. Lord of the Inferno, big fireman. Um, not that kind of fireman. Um, and... 
Midphilia is like, hey, why don't you head up this investigation so you can kind of get familiarized with uh, the whole deal here, get an idea of how primals work, that sort of thing. So you and Thancred are going to go hit up Camp Drybone in eastern Thanalan. So you head over there and you make contact with Isambard, who is the like de facto leader. Like he's not really an elected position, but he's just like the most experienced guy. So everyone just kind of looks to him. Um, and so yeah, where we will pick up next week with our uh, or next time. This is not a weekly show mm-hmm. uh, for our the beginning of our, our investigation in Drybone to try and stop the summoning of a primal because that's no good we don't like that yeah just no good at all so we'll we'll definitely be uh be picking up with that next time hey we've we did all we've we've done our first dungeons we've met the the scions and and it's all you know we're finally really getting into it enough enough fucking fetch quests and and leather belts yes no we're finally getting into the real meat and potatoes of uh Aerar's story here which is uh very focused on big scary guys that we have to go punch to death which i'm a big personal fan of love to do that kind of thing it's it's a it's a strong thing to build your game around you know it's a classic story of punching big guys everybody everybody loves to punch a big guy Ever since the Epic of Gilgamesh, we've always been writing about punching big guys. It's true. It's true. It's one of humanity's greatest passions. Um, uh, but for now, that's gonna that's gonna wrap it up for us on this side of the spoiler zone. Though we might have and something hey, to talk about on the other side. Even if you aren't coming along with us to the other side of the spoiler zone. You have quite a meaty podcast already. You you have no room to be complaining. I don't want to hear any complaints about portions. <laughs> yeah, we we got an hour and forty three minutes on the recording right now, so there's uh there's there's plenty to 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 get through here. But perhaps uh, if if those of you who have finished the game or don't care about spoilers want to join us, we will we will see you on the other side of this break. talk about the scions let's talk about the scions i think it's really weird that as they're you know first of all this roster of scions uh does not last very long no Um, it does not like in this room by the end of the game the only ones that are still around are thankred yishtola and yorianje and tataro i guess like but that's it that's true. Uh, basically, uh, everybody kind of goes and does their own thing a little bit. Uh, Papalimo dies. He bites it super hard. Um, Ida becomes Lise, and she is off Lise. doing her thing. Um, so I think, you know, I think it's really weird that the, the Scions as a, like, 
they're they are the they are functionally the main party, which is important because I I feel like a Final Fantasy game is really only as good as its party, right? Like so many of the most popular characters over the course of this franchise are not protagonists. You think about like Kane, Kane, or like Yuna and stuff like that. Like those those are not the main characters. Well, y- Yuna got her own game, but she wasn't the main character in her in in ten. Yeah. No, that's that's the thing, right? Is that the party is a really important component of Final Fantasy. And I think for the most part, the Scions end up being a fairly strong main party by the time no, you get to the end yeah. of the game. Like here's the thing, they're fantastic by the end of the game. But for so much of the game, they aren't actually in it that much which is really bizarre to think that Shadowbringers is the expansion that refocuses stuff on the scions like yeah they just didn't do any they like they they were they were they were either like split up or just in the background for you know three-fifths of this uh, of this game almost yeah it's very strange like heaven's word you get uh you get you get some scion content right like mostly you're only getting content with tataru and alphano like you're not really getting a lot of content with anyone else because pretty much everybody has been separated because of you know obviously the events of heaven's word i actually wanted to bring up heaven's word because that is the first example of a of a of a like adventuring of like final fantasy party that really you can you can really emotionally connect to and it's the first one most people emotionally connect to like alphano estinian and ysail work very well together and only one of them is a scion at that point and only and the other one won't become a scion until like fucking a hundred thousand hours later um yishtola reappears in the like the last third of heaven's word which is very nice but the rest of them don't show up until pre-Stormblood. That's true. And in Stormblood proper, the Scions are mostly absent. They're very there's there's not that much Scion content there. And what there is is kind of weird. Yeah, Yeshtola is extremely injured at the very beginning. Thancred stays behind in Eorzea to to keep things running there um yurian j also does that and yeah you, you basically left with the twins and, and the other weird thing about stormblood is that your party is constantly being sort of shuffled around like sometimes you'll be hanging out with gear yugiri hisetsu uh, gotetsu gosetsu and hien and sometimes it's it's often alice elise and hien and like you're you're just constantly juggling, you're swapping characters in and out as you travel across uh the, across the far east there. Yeah, it's it's almost and... as if it's almost as if that when you when you take an expansion and you make it two completely separate stories on two completely separate continents, um, and it it you split the whole thing in half like that, it it doesn't it doesn't work that well. No, it doesn't, and so. I mean, I, I like the characters of Stormblood, but none of them are Scions. It's, you know, Lise isn't by the end. And either I think there's even a point post either post-Stormblood or post-Heavensward where 
all of the scions like sit down and go what the fuck even are we anymore like what do we do yeah what is our purpose like it's it sort of sets up the the game for shadowbringers where the scions kind of split up almost entirely and then you have to sort of get the gang back together because nobody even really knows what they're doing after stormblood everyone's just kind of like you know the order is sort of listless a bit like two of its most important members are gone either dead or has left to go be the president of alamigo so you know except she's not even the president she i don't know what her position is by the like she stops being the president after a certain point yeah like she makes raubon kind of the president but also not really it's very weird it's it's hard to tell what the situation is in alamigo frankly if she was the if she was the president she definitely would not be going on the fucking um ilsebard expedition for sure but she is so i presume she's like just around yeah it's who who knows what's we'll going to, on in Alamigo? We'll talk. We'll, we'll, we'll talk much more about Lisa about how I think Lisa's arc. I think implodes. all of it, all of it is like workable until they decide what her endpoint is, which is just no, confusing. Yeah, I don't understand how they got there. It's it's really weird. We'll we'll get there eventually. Don't worry. But but so the scions as they are right now when they are introduced are it's so strange to look back on it and go like yeah well we're we're here in the waking sands the scions are this like apolitical secret society that only deals with primals what i do like is that eventually they have to like the the issue of primals and Asians is like so entangled within the wider world that they kind of have to actually align themselves with political entities yeah like i i do i do like that a lot i like how they kind of have to just stop being like centrists about the whole thing and they have to like pick a side and they have to very clearly like entwine themselves with politics which sort of sets up a lot of stuff in the game it sets up a lot of like the the problems that you have to overcome right you know it sets up a lot of the stuff that happens in endwalker actually with charlie and especially the twins dad like you know uh Forchino, like basically disowns his children for being politically active you know yep when when i think about the scions now i think about the characters who are on the endwalker poster for the most part Obviously, Xenos is not a scion, and Vina is not a scion, but the rest of them are. Like, everyone else on the poster, those are the scions to me. Yeah, exactly. Like, I can't I can't think of the scions without thinking about, like, uh, just this big, dumb, stupid family of, like, wizards and punch guys and just random weirdos who all just come together and want to make the world a better place and it's just it's an energy that is so deeply missing for so much the game it's like it's kind of amazing because like that energy really only picks up like we said like in shadowbringers like that's when that energy really starts and there's a reason i think why it is that the last two expansions of the game 
have been so overwhelmingly positively received, why the game has gotten such an injection of life out of it, and that's because, broadly, they focused on the things that make the game fun and make the story engaging. And that's by having this core central party of characters that you love and want to see do stuff. Yeah, like, think about character moments we got before, like, 4.4, say, uh, as I think is where, like, the transition really started. Think about think about starting character moments before that. Like, can you name a big Yishtola moment before that? No, no because not she really. was taken out of... Can you name... A big Thankrin moment before that. I guess there's this fight with Ardbert, but Thankrin is a, is a weird character because for so long he is just the guy who did the spy stuff and was like wrapped up in his own emotional stuff that he didn't want to talk about. Yeah, I actually, I do. I actually do have a Thankrin moment that I really love, which is when uh, it's it's right after Cryal um, shows up and they are investigating in Northern Thanalan, I think. And she, you know, Cryo likes to rib people, right? And she, 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 uh, Thancred's talking about Anphilia, and Cryo makes the crack, like, ah, an old flammy or Zay, and, and, but Thancred immediately goes, like, no, it wasn't like that. It's just, you know, and he, he, like, gets vulnerable for a minute. I do think about that a lot. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's a cool moment. I do like that moment. And Yurian Jay's weird heel turn. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's, there's there's so there's so few really big moments like that before before those those expansions like um i mean stormblood had a couple stormblood had a couple but they weren't really for the main cast right like i feel like most no. of stormblood's big moments were for gosetsu and yugiri and hien which makes sense cuz the expansion was pretty much half about them entirely um and they have they do have some really good moments to be clear but it just it just feels so weird that the scions really don't get the same treatment it feels like in in the game uh until yeah like 4.4 like they just don't get those those moments to really shine as characters there's no like real like moments for for them to to stand out it feels like a lot of the game really spends a lot of time on like wanting to immerse you in this geopolitical game that's going on um which is weird right like it's it's a problem that i feel like is really relevant to like tabletop gaming where you have like a dm who's just really into like their own world that they've built like they have a whole like lore bible and all of this stuff they've written like five paragraphs on like the details of the grain economy in Faerun or whatever and they're they're just really into like the deep complex geopolitics of the sword coast but the players don't care about that the players don't want to talk about the geopolitics of Waterdeep. They want to go fight guys, and they want to have a fun time with cool characters that they like. So, 
but the the people who spend most of like ARR and 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 that sort of part of the game writing it didn't really figure that out yet right like they they sort of didn't catch on to the fact that that wasn't the part that people really wanted to play Ishikawa basically saved the scions when you think about it oh yeah for sure she knew exactly what to do and it's yeah like like you say so much of ar and i think i also think a lot about uh early stormblood with that stuff where so much of early stormblood is about like figuring out how we're gonna travel places it's like i don't this is weird yeah Uh, like so much of it is just about like oh we need to talk to the east aldenard trading company and smuggle ourselves on a spice boat like oh my god I don't. We got, we got care. a parlay with these these this like these like pi- this like pirate society. We gotta we gotta we gotta negotiate. We gotta do all this stuff. Whereas I think Ishikawa understands people want to see these characters have these big emotional arcs. Like uh, you know all 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 the all the big moments in Shadowbringers and Inwalker. Like you know. Thangard and Reen and in Shadowbringers and Yurian Jay and the in the in the funny rabbits and Inwalker. She she gives them these things to bounce off of much more like compellingly than than having Thangard be the fucking the broody spy who quips sometimes or having Yurian Jay be the weird guy who does undercover shit. Yeah, it's just. It's just weird. It's it's weird, and it's good that the characters do get that breathing room. They finally get to like be characters. But yeah, just the first the first parts of the game really stumble over themselves and have a hard time just getting out of that like early like Dungeons and Dragons DM mindset. Right, Heaven's Word does a lot to course correct. Um, Stormblood kind of veers it back in the wrong direction a bit, but like. You know, I, honestly, Heavensward puts a lot of lot of effort in, like a lot of work into kind of fixing a lot of these problems. Yeah, I think I think the main thing is that they, they do have those really good moments, and I, you know, there's stuff in Stormblood that I think really works. I I always think about the like midnight talk with Hien and and Gosetsu, where the twins are like asleep on each other's shoulders. Oh yeah, great but moment, like, great moment. But like. There's so much other shit to do. Like, Heavensward has to take a fucking detour to be like, oh, we gotta go deal with Lollarito. Like, oh, what? God. The, the fucking Lollarito detour is so stupid. Well, listen, don't worry, viewers. I'm gonna be ranting at fucking length about the stupid Lollarito detour when we get there. Because, oh, my God, that is still the thing in this game that probably pisses me off more than any other thing that has ever happened in it. And that includes Riot Cop Simulator, which we're also getting to later. Uh, We're going to get to that one first. That's going to be fun. Oh, God, I Um, hate Riot Cop Simulator. Yeah, it's like it it, it was just this very uneven, unsteady ship. And then we had then Shatterbringers and Endwalker really bring it home in a in a in a fascinating way. Yeah, and and honestly, I think even though the Scions technically disband at the end of Endwalker, like, I feel like we're in a position where we can do, like, these smaller, tighter stories with a tighter cast, right? Where we could do, like, 
we could do like a like a Stormblood, right? Where we just have like two or three of the Scions with us, and then we introduce like two or three more characters, and we like bring yeah. that in. But like now we can do it in a way that's like so much tighter and so much more well integrated, and the characters can bounce off each other more because there's more material. I mean, we saw it recently with a lot of the Endwalker post-patch stuff, right? Like, we have this setup for the fucking Hell adventure we're going on with Yushtola, uh, Istinian, and Vritra. Like, that's a wild party. No one else is going on that. But also, you get all the Scions and they're checking in. It's a cool setup of, like, yeah, everyone's around. Everyone's doing stuff. But, like, they have their own shit to do. And maybe sometimes... Your paths will cross. I'm sure we're going to hit up the twins over in Garlemald at some point in the future because that shit has to be dealt with. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then the stuff with Aglaia where it's like you're hanging out with Graha figuring out if God is real or not. And that's great. Yeah, and that's super fun. And you also are talking to like some other guy who I don't remember the yeah. name of right now, but he's there and he's got a little monkey friend. Like, there's stuff they can do now with this, like, the, the Scions are dispersed, they're kind of back in, like, the the secret organization mode, sort of. But, like, it's it's just a very fun setup that's very freeing for, like, we can just do what, they can do whatever, basically. And uh, I am really looking, I, I, I do wonder if this Void thing is going to be Patch Quest, or if it is going to be, like, this is the... This is the next expansion. We're going to the Void. I feel like it's definitely the next expansion. Like, I feel like it's going to be a Void-focused expansion, which uh, I'm... Thunder Hell is real. Thunder Hell is real, and I'm actually really excited for Thunder Hell. Like, oh man, I I cannot go, wait to fight the big Vritra's Black sister. Knight. Yeah, there's some crazy shit happening. I want to rescue Vritra's sister, get more dragons in here. Oh yeah, let's get more dragons. Let's just get all the dragons in here. Why not? Also... Yeah, but like it's it's just you know the, the the evolution of the scions is definitely one of the most fascinating parts of these this game from like you, their start here is just like you know they're definitely around into becoming a fully fledged beloved Final Fantasy party that have made you know millions of people around the world ball their eyes out over the course of two expansions. Yeah, especially the last one. Oh boy, oh yeah. boy, the tears. But yeah, so I, I will look forward to kind of reassessing the growth and usage of the Scions as we go on here. Because I feel like a lot of the post-patch stuff for the longest time was like, here's where all the Scion stuff happens. Yeah, that's definitely like the impression that you get, right? Like, that's that's how it is for a lot of... That's like post-ARR, that's post-Heavensward, that's I it's post uh post uh blood as well. Well, after the unpleasantness, is after the unpleasantness is dealt with, though. To be fair, some of that unpleasantness there there is there is the really funny like Tataru funny animal dungeons and the uh yes. and the the sword bit where Alphano accidentally buys a sword for five million dollars. Uh, I, I am looking forward to reassessing all that, but that that'll be for the future. Uh, next time we will we will probably be fighting Ifrit and, and going up through that. There, uh, we ran long. I'm not going to do any plugs. You know where to find my shit at this point. Yeah, I mean, listen, this was this was a pretty dense episode, so you know. Yes, 
three dungeons and the introduction of like the main characters yeah it's dense it is dense but uh but yeah next time it'll probably be a little bit more breezy we'll probably uh probably not be hitting quite as many uh many things there but uh but yeah until then i've been one of your hosts jane i've been your other host nero and we'll see you in the fantastical fields of eorzea